Well, good morning, Stevens Creek Church. How are we this morning? You guys got to do better than that. We're going to be talking all morning long. How are you guys doing this morning? That's better. That's better. My name is Brian, and I am just so honored to be here with you guys today. I, I love Pastor Marty and Patty. They are some of the most incredible people on the planet. Great pastors, incredible leader of leaders, great business people. You, don't, you can't get better than Marty and Patty. Amen? You guys are so blessed. Um, unfortunately, uh, my wife of 18 years couldn't be here today. So uh, I brought a picture of Long because I want you to like me. Here, here she is. I know. And I know what you're thinking. How did that joker get that good-looking woman right there? And uh, I can't prove this. It's not in the Bible. It's just a theory. But I, I believe that it's true. I, I believe that uh, Jesus blinds good-looking women. That's what, I, that's what I believe. So if you stay close to Jesus, fellas, you get a hot wife. You know, that, that's, that's how it goes. Okay, where are my single men? Raise your hand. Ladies, that's what you have to work with. Okay. But Chris and I have two kids. My daughter, Chloe, is 13, eighth grade. My son, Brock, is 11, sixth grade. And we have stepped into middle school purgatory. We are right in the middle of it. And it's... It's summertime in the Hunter house, and so that means they're on their electronics a little bit more than normal. And, you know, once they've done the Fortnite marathon and Instagram scrolling and they don't blink anymore, we usually say, time out. It's time to do something different. And we like to play the old school games, the ones that Krista and I grew up on, like card games like Skipbo. Any Skipbo fans? Uno. Uno, right? Uh, Monopoly. Sorry. Life. Connect for, come on somebody, God's in the house, right? But our favorite, and my favorite growing up, which is now really my kids' favorite, is this game called Trouble. And Trouble is awesome, one, because it's got a cool sound. Love that. And the whole point is you have four uh, pieces in home base. You got to pop a one or a six to get out, and you go around the board, and you're trying to get all four into the finish, and if you land on your opponent, you can take them out. And it's just, it's an exciting game. It's, it's intense. It's, it's got chance and strategy. And then there's like, there's like yelling and anger and blood and tears. No, I'm just kidding. Well, kind of. Sometimes in the, in the Hunter household. Because we play to win, y'all. We play to win. That's just how our family does it. Everybody say trouble. Come on, say it like you mean it. Trouble. I told you you have to talk to me today. Say it one more time. Trouble. We love it when it's a game, but we hate it when it's real life. We love it when it's a game, but we hate it when it's, a real li when it's real life. And the reason I think that so many of us struggle so hard in our relationship with God, sometimes to the point where we question our entire faith, is that when trouble hits our lives... We have a fundamental misunderstanding of what God will or won't do in times of trouble. And I don't know about you, but it's easy for me to be seduced and betrayed by our cultural Christianity that says, if God is a good God, I, I may not get no pain, but I definitely should have less pain, right? I may not get no, no problems, but I definitely should have less problems, not, not more problems, and you're smart people, we get it, even though intellectually we know that's not the case. In our heart, experientially, emotionally, 
It's kind of the posture that we take. It's kind of our disposition when trouble hits our life. There's that sense of unfairness. Like, this, this can't be happening to me. There's a sense of injustice. And, and I don't know about you, but I, here's what I do. I start giving God my resume. Well, God, I love you, and they hate you, and their life is great, and my life just isn't. I wanted to say a different word there, but I, I, I refrained, right? Have you ever been in that moment where you, where you start comparing how other people don't really care about God and their life seems to be so much better than yours? And it inevitably brings, inevitably brings us to one question that we all ask, and that's why. Everybody say why. That's a normal question to ask. It's a logical question to ask in times of trouble, but I've discovered it's not usually the best and it's not usually the wisest question in times of great trouble because rarely, if never, it gets answered. We can keep asking why, 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 and still we never get the answer to that question. Or we can come to an overly spiritualized conclusion that somehow in order for all of this chaos to make sense, I'm going to have to attach a God thing on it so that I can just make it through. And we assign God to something that he has no part of. Or we, we come to the wrong understanding altogether to try to find closure to something. And what happens is it increases our confusion with God and it intensifies our pain. And you know what makes this worse? Google. Google makes this worse. Why? Because we have now conditioned ourselves that we should know the answer, the cause and the effect, and we should know the answer to all of it right now. You know what I'm talking about? How many know God doesn't work that way? God doesn't always give us the why behind the what. About two months ago, there was an Instagram post that went out, and uh, it just sent the world up in arms. How many remember this this little Instagram post. Anybody remember that? So what happened was this guy posted an Instagram and he read this word, Laurel, and so many people all over the world started hearing Yanny. And, and it was just like marriages were breaking up, families were being destroyed, businesses were shutting down, fistfights broke out, all over what you heard when this guy read Laurel. So I walk down the stairs, and my wife and daughter are listening to it, and they're on Instagram, and they're, hey, Dad, what do you hear? And I'm like, Laurel. And they're like, no, there's no way you hear that. And I was like, it's Laurel. They're like, no, it's Yanny. I was like, Yanny, there ain't no way. So what do I do? I go to Google, and I get the answer. And I'm like, I'm right. It's Laurel, right? But the funny thing is, the ones that hear Yanny, how many of you heard Yanny? Raise your hand. There you go. How many of you heard Laurel, right? So anybody over 40 heard Laurel, and here's why. Because all the younger people, you have a different frequency. And so the guy is saying Laurel, but because you can hear better than us old people, you hear a different frequency, and it comes out yanny. So my wife loved it because she was like, yeah, I'm young, you know, that kind of thing. But pain does something to our frequency in life. 
It messes with what God's saying. It messes with what we hear. That's what frequency does. And so we misunderstand God and we misunderstand trouble and we misunderstand God's relationship to our trouble and we get mad at God and we shut him out. We blame other people and we curse the devil for things that none of them did. So there's a few misunderstandings that I think There's three, actually, that I think we come to in times of trouble that I want to clear up this morning. Misunderstanding number one is that trouble equals punishment. Trouble equals punishment. This thinking has been around forever. And the the Jewish believers in Jesus' day, anytime someone was sick or wounded or mute or deaf or lame, they blamed it on sin in their life. If it wasn't their sin, then it must have been their parents. And if it wasn't their parents, it was their grandparents. Because as human beings, we're always trying to find someone to blame to explain something that at times is unexplainable in our lives. And they always attributed blame for when bad things happened. But the truth is, we just live in a fallen world, amen? And that sin is in this world, and bad things happen to bad people, and bad things happen to good people all the time. The Bible says that it rains on the just, and it rains on the unjust. Sometimes life just goes haywire on us, for no apparent reason, and it's because we live in a sinful world. Sometimes you do it to yourself. Sometimes I do it to myself with my own sinful decisions. And sometimes it's others' sinful decisions that impact my life and impact your life. And that's just part of being human and and being in relationship with other humans, that not only do we live with the consequences of our own sin, but we have to live with the consequences of other people's sin. You just can't escape it, even when blame can't be figured out. And the problem is when trouble comes into our life, many of us often associate it with punishment. And it creates this fear in us. Trouble creates fear. You're scared for things to go wrong. But John says that perfect love, God's love, it drives fear away. It drives fear out because fear is punishing You just need to understand something this morning. Jesus has already taken your punishment. Trouble does not mean that he's punishing you for something you did 20 years ago. That he's already forgiven you for and that hopefully you will eventually forgive yourself for. It's not payback. God's not paying you back. Jesus took the punishment for everything past, present, and future for your life. And punishment, all that it does is it modifies behavior for a little bit, right? But discipline, that's something different. Discipline modifies our hearts. Discipline is the root word for discipleship. God works discipline into our lives through trouble. Uh, The other day, my kids were fighting, and they wouldn't stop, and they were disrespecting each other, and they were calling each other names, and they were slap fighting and towel fighting, and I just had it. I was trying to work, and I was like, enough, and I threatened them to the inch of their life, and they did it again, right, like all kids do, and I said, okay, all right, I'm not going to threaten you. I'm not going to just take stuff away and none of that kind of stuff. I was like, here's what's going to happen. You do it again. I'm going to make you stand up and hug each other and look each other in the eye for three full minutes. Now, 
Imagine a 13 and 11-year-old standing still for three minutes alone, right? But imagine them hugging each other, right? And they did it again. They thought daddy was playing. Daddy wasn't playing. And so they end up hugging each other. And it's just awkward. You know what I mean? Like Brock's really, really short like me. And she's really, really tall. And he's like this. And they're like looking at each other. And like, dad, this is horrible. Dad, why would you do this to me? And I'm over here like YouTubing it. And it was awesome. I'm just kidding. It was Facebook Live. <laughs> That's like, but you got to understand, guys, that you're disrespecting someone you love and you've just forgotten that you really love each other. Someone make you hold on to each other for three full minutes just to remember that she is your sister and that he is your brother and that we are family. And they've never forgotten that. And I'm telling you, moms and dads, that, that stuff works. I made them kiss each other on the cheek at the end, just rub it all in, right? But every good parent understands that we don't just want our kids to behave for an hour because we threaten their lives. We want them to grow up and mature and make good, healthy, wise choices on their own away from us. And even though we don't like to discipline our children, we don't like to have problems and troubles come in their lives, we discipline them because we love them. And God allows discipline in our life because he loves us, not because he's mad at us, not because he's trying to punish us. See, God may not have caused the trouble in your life, but God definitely will get in the middle of it and he'll be right there to redeem the trouble in your life. And when he does, it'll work something deep in your heart. Misunderstanding number two is that pain equals absence. Pain equals absence. We think oftentimes, well, let me say it like this. Have you ever noticed that, that we allow the amount of trouble in our life or the, the depth or the severity of trouble in our life to dictate like our perceived closeness or distance from God? Like if there's a lot of trouble, he's disapproving of us. And if there's little trouble, then he approves of our life. And we're always measuring it by our behavior and how perfect we are. And as if somehow he loves us more when we do right and he loves us less when we do wrong. And that's not even close to the truth. And we kind of live out this formula. We don't talk about it, but it's kind of in our heart. It's in our actions. Like the absence of trouble equals the presence of God. Like, I know that God is present and he's close because there's not a lot of trouble going on. Or the inversion, well, there's a lot of trouble in my life, so that must mean that God is mad and he's distant and he's absent. But can I tell you something this morning? You may want to write this down. The proof of the presence of God in your life is not the absence of trouble. It is the power of God in your life to withstand it. So if you're looking to get away from trouble to affirm your relationship with God, that's not the affirmation. It's to know that when trouble comes, when pain comes, when problems come, your God is living in you and greater is he, the Holy Spirit, that is in you than he that is in this world. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and nothing is too hard for him. You can withstand it. I'm sorry, I preach too much. I'll calm down. I know Marty doesn't do that, so I'll, I'll, I'll just go back, right? I love what David said in Psalm 34, 19. He says, the righteous person, 
Not the one who behaves perfectly, not the one that has done everything right. The righteous were made righteous by faith in Jesus and Jesus alone. The righteous person faces what? Many. Everybody say many. Many troubles. So if you thought following Jesus meant less trouble, David tells you no. If you follow God, if you follow Jesus, there's going to be many troubles. But here's good news. The Lord comes to rescue each time. But what if this time is the one time he doesn't come? That's what we think, right? That's what we're scared of. Like, this is so bad, and this is my fault. Like, what if this is the time that God doesn't rescue? What if this is the time that God doesn't come through? What if, what if, what if? And the fear that God may not be present, the fear that God may not be there, that he may not rescue you this time because he's rescued this thing from you so many times before that you think maybe you're just scared he won't show up. Because trouble creates that fear. And there's only two responses to fear, fight or flight, right? And what I've noticed in my life and what I've seen in so many believers' lives is this, is that we fight God instead of letting God fight for us in times of trouble. Because there's no one else to blame and there's no one else to make sense of this. And so the only ultimate authority is God, but we get mad at him and we blame him. Him and we fight against him because we don't want to deal with it. We run from God who has the answer to our pain instead of running to God. Right? Anybody ever done that? Can you be real honest? Raise your hand. I'm not the only one. Okay, good. Have you, have you ever been playing a game with your kids and they picked up some new rules? Like, they pop one, get you out, six, hey, you get to go, and you get to go again. And then all of a sudden, there's like a magic number that if you get it three times in a row, you can go all the way around, and you automatically win the game. And I'm like, where did you pick up those rules? Well, those are Mammal's house rules. I was like, we're not in Mammal's house, and Mammal's a sucker. We don't play that here. <laughs> Mammal lets you win. You ain't winning in my house. Isn't that what we do? We do that in life. We just start making stuff up as we go and we change it around and we're living by our own rules all in the name of protecting our heart from the only one that can actually heal it. And we just try to take control out of God's hands and we take ownership of our life and we live life in our own strength and we know it's gonna fail, but we do it because it's the only thing that's tangible that we can hold on to in our minds. But I got, I got, you know, I, I got something to say and I want you to hear it. Only the creator of the game can tell you how to play the game the right way. Only God can tell you how life is supposed to work. Not when life is just good, but when life causes you trouble. Here's a verse that I want you to memorize. Put it on your refrigerator. Put it on the mirror. Tattoo it down your ribs. I don't care, but I want you to get this on you. Psalm 46.1. God is our refuge and strength. He's our safe place, and he's our strength to get through the day, right? An ever-present help in trouble. He is right there. He is right there. 
I know you don't feel him. I know it feels like when you pray, it's hitting the glass ceiling. I know you're frustrated, but you need to never forget that your God is for you. He loves you, and he's right there in the middle of your trouble. And he grieves when you grieve. My wife lost her mother after a five-year battle with cancer, and I've watched her grieve for a year. And I feel helpless because I can't make it better. And the only one that can make it better is God. And God will come in and he just grieves when she grieves. And he loves her when she doesn't feel loved. And when she's weeping and the tears are rolling down her face, he weeps with her. You just need to understand something. God is in this thing with you. He may not deliver you from the circumstances, but he'll crawl up in the middle of them and be right there in your life. See, it's, it's just not about what God will do and what God won't do. It's about who God will be to you in the middle of trouble. And we just keep treating it like a solution to a problem that if you would just fix it, everything would be okay. And God says, I don't want to just fix your problem. I want to change your heart. I want to do something inside of your life that is bigger than what you can see. Psalm 94, 19 psalmist says, when I, when I worried about many things, when I was depressed and anxious and fearful, my heart was broken and I couldn't get it off my mind and it was consuming my life, your assuring words soothed my soul. Notice something. God didn't change the many things. He didn't change the circumstances. He just spoke life and it soothed his soul. Well, me and God ain't talking right now. Well, God's still talking to you. You're hearing Yanny, Yanny, and God's saying Laurel, Laurel, but that doesn't matter. He hasn't stopped talking. And eventually your ears are going to pop open, and there's going to be a moment when you can hear him, and it's going to bring solace to your spirit. Misunderstanding number three relief equals peace. But if I don't have trouble, then, then, then I'm at peace. If I just feel peaceful, then I'm at peace. If this will just stop, right? There's this conversation that, that Jesus had with his disciples. And in John 14 through 16, it records the Last Supper and everything that Jesus said. And I've read those chapters over and over again. And it's always puzzled me how Jesus could set them up and then say what he says in John 16, because he tells them all the bad that's about to happen. He tells them that he's going to be beaten and betrayed and he's going to be killed. He tells them that they're going to run and they're going to disown him and betray him. He lays out every bad thing, every nightmare scenario you could imagine. And then here's what he says at the end. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. What? You're going to tell me all the bad that's going to happen and that, that's going to bring peace? No, that's going to make me insane. No, here's what he says. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So stop thinking that you're the exception to the rule. I've got to stop thinking that I'm the exception to the rule. I'm going to have trouble. You're going to have trouble. It is going to come. But the good news is he's overcome the whole world. 
And the good news is, is that in the middle of all the bad that could happen and may happen and someday, whatever, he's our peace. It's not the circumstance, it's him. It's not the circumstance calming down so that you find relief. It's that he is your peace in the middle of the circumstance, right? But as human beings, we just, we resist and avoid pain at all cost. Peter did that night. He freaked out on Jesus and said, Jesus, that's never going to happen. Jesus, I'll never deny you. Jesus, I'll die for you. Blah, 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 blah. And Jesus said, get behind me, Satan, for you don't have the things of God in mind, but the things of men. What was he telling Peter? He's like, Peter, tr- the absence of trouble doesn't mean that God's not present. In this moment in time, it actually means God is very present, and he's present to redeem the whole world. So maybe the trouble in your life and my life in that moment is for God to redeem something that we can't even see because we don't want the trouble of it. I love what Isaiah said in Isaiah 54. He said, no weapon formed against you will prosper. I love that verse. And I read it my whole life thinking, yes, no, I'm invincible. No, that's not what that means. What it does mean is there is going to be a weapon It is going to be formed, and it is going to come against me. Oh, okay, that makes more sense. But the good news is that even when it's formed, and even when it's against you, and even when it's a weapon intended to harm you, it's not going to prosper in your life. Because God is for you. Who can be against you? Are you hearing what I'm saying, church? Are you with me this morning? If you are, say amen. Five of you. Great. Awesome. We don't like trouble. We don't like talking about trouble. We don't like hearing sermons about trouble. I get it. We'd rather not have the battle. And if we do have the battle, we want it over fast. David said it like this, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts day after day in sorrow in my heart? Like, when is this going to be over? When are my enemies going to stop beating me down, God? I just want this done. I want relief. We all feel this way. David felt that way. It's normal to feel that way. But the Apostle Paul in Philippians 4 gives us a formula of how to have trouble and have peace at the same time. Here's what he says. Do not be anxious about anything. And we all said, yeah, right. You know what I mean? Because we feel anxiety. We feel fear and depression. He says, do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, oh, let me stop you there, Brian. You don't know my situation. I know. And you don't know mine. And I've been through some stuff. I live in chronic pain 24-7, half for 13 years. I understand pain. I understand it. I don't know your situation and you don't know mine. But Paul is a man that was shipwrecked, beaten multiple times to the point of death, imprisoned, was chronically ill, and God wouldn't take it away. He said his grace was sufficient. And he says to you, in every situation, you don't have to be anxious. Because your God is not a sometimes God, your God is an all the time God. By prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Here's what will happen. Verse 7, and the peace of God, the peace of God, which transcends human understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. It will keep you sane and it will keep you emotionally stable. 
when we don't, Dad, why? And we cry out, why? Why are you doing this to me, Dad, like my kids did? And we start saying, okay, God, I'm going to position my heart in thanksgiving. I don't understand the why. I don't understand why it's this bad. I don't know, understand how I even got here. This was never the plan. But I'm just, I'm just going to be grateful that I know that you're my peace. All of a sudden, in the middle of whatever circumstances you're in, your mind and your heart become guarded. Because only predictability can bring peace in your life. And life and circumstances are not predictable, but God is. God is the only predictable one in all of life. It's the uncertainty that captures our heart. It's the uncertainty that incites fear. It's the uncertainty of what is or isn't going to happen that makes us crazy. Like when I was a kid and I got in trouble and my mom said, wait till your dad gets home. And I knew what that meant. He's going to whip my butt. And I just, I lived in fear all day long of how bad the punishment was going to be. Is it going to be one spanking or three? Is it going to be a belt or the hand? Is it going to be pants up or pants not so up? You know what I'm saying? But the fear of the punishment was often far worse than the whipping itself. It's the fear of the unknown that freaks us out. But Paul says, don't be anxious of the unknown because life's always going to be unknown. But God can be known. And he's predictable. He's close to the brokenhearted. You're blessed when you grieve because you will be comforted. And even if you've done this to yourself, even if you make your bed in hell, David said, you're there with me. So whatever you do, don't allow trouble in your life to define your life and the rest of your life. And if you're waiting for things to feel better or get better or get easier before you feel like things are okay, you're going to miss out on so much of your life. And you're going to miss out on such a relationship with God that I know you dream about. It's not peace after the trouble. It's peace in the middle of trouble. You know what David said? When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I don't fear evil. Why? Because I know you're there. But not just that. It's that you prepare a table in the presence of my enemies and my cup overflows. He feeds you with his word and you drink from his spirit and your cup overflows in the middle of the valley, in the middle of the deepest pain, in the shadow of death is where you will experience the depth of God you've never experienced in your life. And you don't have to be afraid because he's in the valley. And you don't have to wait till you're on the mountaintop to enjoy it. You can be with him in the valley and in the shadow of of death. Amen? Can you come and play softly? Because that's the only way that you can end a message like this. <laughs> Just because you have trouble doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. Just because you have trouble doesn't mean you're in the wrong place. It may mean you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Jesus died. He rose again. He was appearing to different people for a period of days. Peter had denied Jesus three times. He, 
He had wrecked his life. He had wrecked his calling. He had wrecked his future. He was devastated. He was depressed. He was probably suicidal like Judas, but he never went through with it. And he's feeling lower than he could ever go. Like you can betray the God of heaven and then how can you live with yourself? So he goes back to fishing. And you know, when things go bad, like every other little thing that's small that goes wrong just makes everything far worse. Peter had that kind of night. He was fishing all night long and he caught absolutely nothing. So in the middle of all this pain, he has a bad night fishing, which meant he lost, his, lost a night's income and he was just, just ticked at the world. And a voice comes from the seashore, from the beach that says, hey, Peter, take your net and put it on the other side of the boat. And the Bible says that Peter didn't even recognize that it was Jesus talking to him. Like the Jesus that he walked with every day for three years, the Jesus that he said that he would die for, the Jesus that he loved, the Jesus that he gave up everything for, he couldn't even recognize his voice. Because that's what pain and devastation does to our, our frequency. We can't even recognize the voice of God when he's speaking to us. And he says, just put your net on the other side of the boat. And every good fisherman knows that if you fished all night and caught nothing, the logical decision is not to put your net on the other side, but to move from the spot you're in and go to a different spot where the fish are biting. But Jesus never said go to a different spot. He said stay right where you are. Just take your net and put it to the other side. What in the world does that mean for you and me today? It means that we just take our net, which is the question why, that keeps bringing us empty answers. And we throw it to the other side of the boat because Jesus said to and we ask a different question. We ask, what now, God? What now? Like, I don't understand why all this has happened. When I dreamed about my life and I had a vision for my life, I never thought in a million years this experience would be part of the story. It's not fair. I don't like it. I despise it. Whatever, whatever the thing is in your heart. But you got to ask a different question because when you ask what now, what you're saying is, God, I'm affirming that you are present in my trouble and I'm affirming that you are the answer to my pain. And you're saying four things to God when you ask the right question, what now? You're saying, I'm going to trust your presence because you promised you would never leave me and you would never forsake me. You promise, so I'm going to trust your presence. I'm going to believe your words because you are not a man that you should lie. And you promise that when you send out your word, it never returns void and it always accomplishes the purpose for which you sent it. So I'm going to believe what you say despite what I see. I'm going to lean into your love because you promised me that nothing can separate me from your love. Neither height, nor depth, nor past, nor future, nor present, nor anything in the earth or under the earth or above the earth. Nothing, nothing can separate me from your love. So I'm not going to pull away and be mad and be bitter and be distant and count. I'm going to lean into your love and I'm going to let you love me. And I'm going to walk in your peace because you're the Prince of Peace. 
and you're everything I need. And you've revealed yourself as the ever-present help in a time of trouble. Let's pray. Father, help us change the question from why to what now. Help us trust your presence, believe in your words, lean into your love and walk in your peace. Because you, you're God and you're good and you're here and you love us and you'll never forsake us. And whatever's been formed against us, it's not going to prosper because you fight our battles. In your name we pray today, amen, amen.